0: But right, let's go to Acts chapter nine. If you need a copy of today's notes, raise your hand. The ushers will bring one by. And I want to bring you to your attention today. Some of you have asked me today at two thirty, we will have our new members class. It's Discover Town Creek or Starting Point. We've had about a few names. It's basically where you can come and ask questions. What it means to be a member here at Town Creek Baptist Church, or where you can actually come and actually join the church. If you'd like to come, and we have a covenant. We're a covenant church, and so we sign a covenant together, saying we will come to the place that we want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to several different things we'll learn, we'll grow in Christ. We won't fight. We're going to come to the place that we will disagree about things without being disagreeable. Is that, a, is that the Christian way? Is that the biblical way? And the answer is absolutely 100% yes. So let's get into today's word. We're going to backtrack what we covered a little bit last week. And we're going to take off and actually give you the, the, the notes ahead. And, and we'll see where this goes today because God is trying to speak to our church. God is trying to say something in this time that we live in. And we're going to be dealing with issues in the next chapter issues of divisiveness between races. Isn't that amazing that we would actually come to such a time as this in our country? Uh, we're going to see, obviously, it's not the black-white race that we see so many times. It's actually a brown race versus brown race coming to the place. But uh, well, we're going to see it from the Word of God, where God speaks on every issue that we deal with, almost as if it's today's news. The only thing different between this book and today's news is this tells the truth. Amen? The newspaper will lie to you. You can, and uh, Facebook and all the social media I mean, you can tell people who's drenched and dripping in that stuff because when you come in, you got an opinion about everything on the world, right? Let me ask you a question. Has anyone seen what's going on in our country? Anybody seen? What am I talking about? I was talking about SpaceX going to the moon, right? Or to to the space station. And all the conversation about space. What were you talking about? You weren't talking about space. You were talking about race, Right? Watch, when you come to, if you come to the place and let your mind... I couldn't sleep last night. I kept waking up. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was so tired. And Krista talked about being here all week. We were here all week. Derek opened every day just about, I think. Right? And I was here. We, we, uh, we entertained for a while. And then we talked to children. Uh, and then the day went on. And, I, of course, I disappeared. The blueberry muffins, by the way, were delicious. The pretzels were incredible. The cakes were second to none. Uh, what else? Cookies and apple pie, which I did not get one. The only thing that the pastor likes is apple pie. That's what I love, and I didn't get an apple pie. So if y'all see Megan, say, ask her why the pastor didn't get an apple pie. I got everything else but an apple pie. I did get a chocolate pie, though. Let me go and caveat that. The little kids made chocolate mousse pies, and I, I got one of those. But um, Listen, today, y'all, when we come to the place, everybody will tell you what they think. I can name subject after subject after subject. And have every one of us stand up and say, here's what I think about it. And we can be 100% wrong. Did you know that? Did you know that? You can come to the place where you say, listen, I know for a fact because I heard. Let me tell you what I heard. You ever play that game where you're from? Tell you what? This is what I heard. How many of you ever repeated something that you've heard and found out later it wasn't true? Anybody? That's called What? Gossip or murmuring. God comes to the place. Listen, every time we come to the source, what's the source of that? I saw this week, I was updating the church's Facebook, and there was a picture of the Lincoln Memorial, and and a big chunk was knocked out of his head, and it was spray painted all over the top. And it said, The vandals have, uh, have vandalized the Lincoln Memorial. I'm like, Are you kidding me? So I went to, where would you go to check on that? Not Google, I'd go to the actual government's website, right? I'd go to the, see what the government says, and all it was was one of the maintenance men were actually pressurized, pressure washing the bottom of the, of the memorial. Someone superimposed that into a picture, spray, had put spray paint words all over the top of it, and somehow photoed out the crop half his head and said, Vandals has defaced the Lincoln Memorial. It wasn't true, they were just cleaning it like they always do. But if you saw that, you could actually get upset saying, Are you kidding me? right? You can have an opinion fa- uh, uh, habits right away. We're going to see a man right here named Saul. He was a good for nothing, right? He was actually a good for nothing. He came to the place, if we saw Saul, we would say, he is absolutely somebody I wouldn't even cross the street to help if a car hit him. Maybe not that extreme, but he was wanting to kill the church. If he came in those doors today, back in his time, he would have every one of us arrested today and try to have us killed or be put in prison for a long time. He hated people of the way. These were people who was his brethren when they were in the Jewish uh, Judaism, when they were following his ways and his people's teachings. Uh, he was right there with them. But now they've heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah has come, and now they've turned and they've actually followed this man called Jesus Christ. They've put their full faith and trust. Not only have they followed him, now they started worshiping on Sunday. Why do they stop from Saturday worship to Sunday worship? It's because that's the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Why do we worship on Sunday? It's because we still, every Sunday we come around, the Lord, we call it the Lord's Day. Even in our, in, our, in our bylaws, in our structure, we call it the Lord's Day. Historical Christianity calls it the Lord's Day because this is the day that the Lord has risen. I won't by, do we care about the Lord's Day in our culture anymore? No, everybody's like, beer Sunday's on sale, on, uh, beer sells sa- on Sunday. I mean, why does the store have to go out of the way to tell you that they're selling beer on Sunday? It's because they want your business, and they don't care. We used to call them the blue laws, the laws that actually would keep you from uh, doing other activities or other things on Sunday because we, we wanted to set aside a day that we would actually come together and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. But today, we brag about that we don't worship God anymore. I don't know if y'all seen in the news, Furman University eliminated baseball and some other men's sports. People are losing their mind that Furman baseball has canceled. They're no longer doing Furman baseball, but I... I wanted to type in, this is my opinion, right? Furman used to be one of our Southern Baptist schools, and the trustees in the 90s decided they didn't want anybody else telling them how to manage their school, so they actually coup d'etat the Southern Baptist Convention, our South Carolina Baptist Convention, and took Furman to a whole different direction. Did y'all know that? And Furman now is actually a very liberal. They even brag, if you go there as a Southern Baptist or go there as a Christian, they'll brag that they actually have a, a different temple to another God on campus. They have all these different things that lead you far, far, far from God. They, we are not them anymore. We are no part of them anymore. Because why? They want to get away from the things that are godly. All of our Ivy League schools just about started to actually, they were created to, uh, to teach preachers, to, to get the gospel out around the world. And what's happened, every time that God's at work, Satan tries to jump in there and mix things up. So let me share this before we get into the Word. If you're confused today about anything, if anything's got you going on, listen, the Bible says the devil is the author of confusion. God brings clarity 100% of the time. So when we read the Word of God and you see yourself today, listen, take action and do what God says to do. Let's read together Acts chapter 9. When God speaks, he, and number one, by the way, just for your notes, he always speaks with clarity. Don't miss that. Here comes Saul. Let's read him. Jump back in Acts chapter 9 and God's word, verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, he went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, which is, by the way, is about 150 miles away, so that he, if he found any who were of the way, capital W-A-Y in my Bible, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now here's a question. Because I always wondered, when I was a kid, I always saw this little picture. I don't know if y'all, if y'all had those little picture books when y'all were little. Uh, and I don't think we have them now, but the, uh, Saul's on, on, he's praying like this. He's on a, there's a donkey in the background, the sun's shining, and he's kind of like, he's, he's shaking like this. And it was just like a man on the ground begging God or begging somebody for mercy. Did y'all ever see that picture when you were little? But it, we see that he's going, what is he going to Damascus for? He's going to make a rest because he's already messed up stuff in Jerusalem, right? Philip's they have fled to Samaria because they're fulfilling the mission of God. But watch this. We come to this place. It was not just him by himself. Look what happens. There were people with him. He's going to make a rest. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone all around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads or the bricks or the pricks. We'll see that in a minute. That was basically a spike or a rock. Very sharp, but I'll tell you what it was for if we get to that. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go to into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Verse 7. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Here's the men who are with him. These are the arresting parties. These are the security personnel. How many people were with him? Do you know? The answer is more than one. Okay? Because it says men. It's plural. So more than one. If you were going to travel 150 miles through a, a desert wilderness, you were going to go to a place where actually you know the bad guys are. Right? He's not after the bad guys. He don't want to make arrests of, thir- of the murderers and the thieves. He don't want to go after those people. He wants to go after those people who are following the way, the Christians. So he's going to travel through the land of the murderers and thieves. How many of you guys is he going to take with him? How many would you take with you? You'd tell, when, we were, when we were kids, say a mess of them, right? You get collard greens. Why is it always a mess of collard greens that you get? I don't understand, but the way they taste back in the day. But I do like them today. So he takes these men with him. Verse 8, then Saul rose from the ground when his eyes were open. He saw no one, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Who, who led him by the hand? These men, right, very good. And he was there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. He's fasting for three days. He doesn't eat and he doesn't drink. Go to verse 10, transition. Now there was a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he pops up and he says, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight. Here we are on another road. Y'all, we had a road almost every week, don't we? Remember the road from Jerusalem, right? South Desert Road. That's where Philip did his work, because he, he was called of God. And then last week, we saw that Paul jumped on his road to Damascus. So Philip went south, Paul's going north, and here we are today, we're going to find another street, and it's called Straight, a street called Straight. By the way, if you look up, Straight Street is still in Damascus today. They still actually have shrines and different things. It's, it's bombed out because of civil war, but it's, it, it is Straight Street still there today, and they dedicate the place of Ananias. Ironically, Ananias gets recognition today, but it wasn't Ananias. If you see carefully, there's this unspoken, if he's a follower of Christ, I'm not sure. I believe he is because Jesus is involved in it. But look at the name. I've missed this name every time I've ever read this story. I've missed it every single time i read the story until I studied it. Let me keep going, so I digress. Verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called, what is it, church? Straight. And inquire at the house of? Judas, that's the man I missed all the time, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man called Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, here's us right here, this is me and you. I've heard from many about this on social media. This man has done all kind of things to your people in Jerusalem, right? In this case it was true, he had done all this. Verse 14, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on the name of Jesus, on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, and he entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me Uh, that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And so when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. I want you to see some things. Listen, when you get into this, God speaks with clarity every single time. God had to get through Saul's head to his heart. How many of you guys are so intellectual that God had to beat you down to get you to the place that you would give your, submit your heart to him? Uh, people can say, well, I, I know what the Bible says, but. You ever been there? We had leaders in our church some years ago would say, Pastor, I know that we had a, a man who was cheating on his wife. And I said, we're going to deal with that church discipline because the Bible says. So we went home quietly, take two or three, and then bring him before the church. When they said, I know what the Bible says, but I'm not willing to do that. I said, then you are disqualified as a deacon. You're disqualified as a teacher. You're disqualified as a Christian, really, right? Because when you come to, you can't lose your salvation, I believe, but I'm saying when you come to the place and says, this is my role and my responsibility, this is what the Bible says of a man of God, of a woman of God, this is what it says I should do and be about, but I won't do it because it makes me uncomfortable. Listen, when we come to that place, everybody today talks about the love of God. Everybody wants to talk about how good God is. God, My, my God would never, and that's how they start, how did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? When you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. Is that true? Not my Father who is in heaven. He is your Father, but he's our Father as well. Do you understand? Amen? So we come to the place where somebody says, well, my God would never send anyone to hell. Well, your God's not the God of the Bible. You made him up. Congratulations, you got yourself a secondary God who's going to lead you straight to hell. Well, my God would never, listen, if it doesn't line up with Scripture, your God is a fake God that's something you've created or somebody else told you about, and you believe their religion instead of the God of the Bible. Somebody says, well, I want my friends, and listen, my friends are dealing with this kind of lifestyle, my friends are dealing with this, and I just want to be their friend and love them to Jesus. You're not loving anybody to Jesus if you're not speaking the truth in love. Now, we do have to love, but we must speak the truth in love. I'm telling you today as a truth, if you actually drink, if you drink any kind of motor oil, it's going to kill you. Would you agree? If you drink antifreeze, it's going to kill you. Is that true? Why would you believe me about something as simple as that and not believe about the spiritual things that God himself has said through the men of God who said, I told them to write this down and they wrote it down. Why would we not believe that? Why would you believe a man over God? Has anyone tasted antifreeze in this building? Raise your hand. I have. Yeah? Because I was told not to. I tried it. It's sweet, by the way, just for the record. It used to be. I don't know what it is today. I haven't tried the new one. Sorry, and I don't plan planted. Has anyone tasted gasoline today? Has anyone tasted gasoline in the last two years? I was trying to siphon like in the old days out of my lawnmower. I remember I used, I used to do it. I don't know. I lost the to Right? And you get it going? Y'all, who's ever done that before? So I know. All right. I got, All right. You understand. Most of the men aren't. So I was trying to do it. I got a mouthful of this new gasoline. And it's supposed to have corn in it, and I want to tell you as a witness, it don't, have, don't taste anything like corn, all right? I just want to set that straight. It's poisonous. It will kill you. But if we understand those things about man-made things, things we understand that we've actually taken from what God's given us, the creation, why don't we listen to the Creator? What does He say about us and lifestyles? What does He say how we should love one another? What does He say? And He comes to this place. Saul had come to the place. Hey, listen, Saul's going to brag a little bit, and I gave it to you last week, about who He is. He said, you want to compare resumes with me? I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I come from the tribe of Benjamin. He goes all the way back to the Old Testament and brings you all the way to the present. He's a Roman citizen. He comes to the place that he was, listen, he was a Pharisee. He had arrived in his day because he had went through all the schooling. He'd got everything that he was supposed to get. And as far as the world was concerned, he had 100% success. As the world looked at Saul, they would say, that's what a success story looks like right there. But when he comes to the place, he was empty on the inside because he had heard about this Messiah and he even watched Stephen be stoned to death knowing that Stephen was an innocent man. He watched him and even heard him say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that didn't, that didn't make him feel sorrowful, that made him mad. I killed him and I'm going to kill everybody else that's around. So he goes off and he's breathing threats against the church, the Bible says. But don't you see this on your notes? God had to get through Saul's head, and his heart to change his perspective. Jesus will change your mind when you listen. That's what we're talking about today's sermon title is this, Let Me Tell You What I Heard. Have you ever told someone about what Jesus did for you? How you were a brickhead, and then he saved you from being so hard-headed? You know what a brickhead is, right? Hard-headed person? Do y'all say that where you're from? Don't be a hardhead, don't be a brickhead? There's your new word. All right. Don't be a hardhead. But what happens is if we look back as Christians and we were to come back from the 30,000 feet look and say, if we saw Saul dinner going, man, he's traveling from Jerusalem, he's already got letters, he's he's going all the way over to Damascus. And word got ahead of him, by the way, just so you know, right? Did word get to Damascus before Saul did? Yeah, it did, because Ananias already knows about it. He comes to the place and Ananias was fearful. Listen, God had to change his head. And then he changed his heart. Because what happens is when he gets thrown to the ground, verses 1 through 6 right there, he says very clearly, Who are you, Lord? And he asks him, Who are you, sir? What is this? The Shekinah glory, I believe, of God shone around him. He couldn't help but get to his knees. Every time you encounter God, listen, I'm telling you, when you really have an encounter with God, you'll hit your knees. You say, Well, I'll, I'll tell you what i do. If I see God with I'm going to ask him, No, you won't. No, you won't. You're a little bitty you, a little bitty less than this you think about the earth. How fast are we going right now? We're cruising more than a thousand miles an hour right now. Anybody getting dizzy? Because we've got a big God that's keeping us spinning, right? Aren't you glad? Don't you like sitting here where we are? Gravity's pulling us back down to the ground. Listen, we come to the place. This is where Saul was. Saul thought he was the big man. He was coming to the place to arrest. 150 miles he's going to journey to make an arrest. Or more than one arrest he was hoping for. And his goal was not just to arrest them there and put them in jail there. His goal was to arrest them and bring them back as trophies. He was out hunting people because he was going to bring them back to Jerusalem and say, These are my trophies. Knucklehead. Look what he does when he comes to the place. Look at number one. Saul heard from God. Right? He encountered the way on his way to Damascus. That's true. He encountered the way, capital W, on his way to Damascus. Listen, some of you have been traveling and God's got a hold of you. When you're on your way, your journey of doing your thing, you're going after your education. You're going after your career. You're doing whatever you're doing. You're chasing after what you want. And then God intersects your life and says, stop. And we're going to do a different direction. Put the blinker on. We're going somewhere else. Anybody, did God do that to you? He might have did it in marriage. He might have did it in relationship. He might have did it in jobs. He might have did it in retirement. He might have did it any kind of way. He's, listen, God's going to have his way if you'll listen. Saul heard from God. Saul today would talk and Saul changed his name. That was his Hebrew name. He changed his name to Paul later. You'll see that. That's his Roman name. He's going to start using his Roman name so he can actually identify with people, and he still identifies with the Jews. But his mission was to the Gentiles first, or to the house of Israel as well. John 14, 6. Y'all know this verse. We've said it so many times in our church. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul was on his way to Damascus, and he encountered Jesus, who is the way to heaven. So Paul wanted to go to Damascus. Jesus wanted Saul to go to heaven. You see what's happening here? He had a plan for his life and he intersected his life. Saul knew he had a supernatural encounter with God. The Bible says right there he trembled and was astonished. He trembled. The the verse says that even of itself that's he come to the place this big bold man with all these authorities and all these credentials is humbled to the place if he's trembling and he's astonished at this bright light from heaven. He can't see anyone. He hears the voice. He's having an encounter with someone he can't even see. He's talking to them blindly. And yet the men that are with him, they didn't see the light. The Bible does, never says they saw the light. It says they heard, verse 7, the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. They saw nothing. They thought he'd lost his mind. He's humbled to the ground. He's having an encounter with God. Meanwhile, everyone else is watching going, man, what's he going through? When you come to your crisis of belief, listen, listen carefully. You might be a Christian today, and you might be far from God today. You might be playing the game. It's like table tennis. Y'all know. Eventually, God's going to take the paddles away from you. He's going to call you out. He's going to, listen, you will follow me or you'll reject me. And listen, today, I believe that's one of those days. He's called the Church of God out because we've come into a place that the Church of God has become more like a country club. It's got a pecking order. Who sits weird? Who parks weird? Who says what? Who is more respected than others? Listen, we're all children of the living God. We've come to the place that we're equal in the sight of God. We've come to the place that we say, listen, God, what do you want for my life? And he says, to bring me glory. And if you're ever here and you say, well, I'm from the other side of the world. God, what do you want for my life? To bring me glory. Not me personally, but God himself. Listen, we come to the place, watch the security detail in verse 2, I mean number 2. The security detail of traveling with Saul heard from God. Now in your mind's eye, how many men would you see? Two? You're going to travel 150 miles through the desert on donkeys or wherever way they're traveling. You're going to take two? If you're going to go make a whole bunch of arrests down there, are you going to get any resistance? You're going to go to war is what you're going. You're going to town to go to war. I'm not going to travel 150 miles. That's from here to where, past, almost Asheville. And we're going to go by, don't care foot to Asheville, and just a couple is going to go for a cup of coffee and arrest a few people and bring them back. Is that what we're doing? No, he was going to town. He was going to Damascus. He even went to the place, may I have letters, please? Yes, you may have letters. He was going to town to arrest many, and he had to take many with him because he knew he was going to face a resistance. I never saw this. I always saw Saul, little, poor little Saul, walking down the road and, and the picture of my Sunday school, book was him just, please, God, he was a weak little guy. But he was powerful when he was going to town. Listen, he was traveling with a lot of men. It had to be a lot of men. The security detail, what they did, these men were prepared to arrest Christians, not be arrested by Christ. But did God have a different plan? Amen, he had a different plan. They were, here's the big word, dumbfounded. We don't use that word anymore, because the word dumb, you can't say dumb anymore, but the word is actually dumbfounded, so you can use dumbfounded, right? Tend to word dumb or I can't speak, uh? right? That's where the word comes from. They were astonished. Another word for dumbfounded is to be astonished or amazed. They could not believe what's happening. They come to the place, that they, they were frozen just like Saul was. Let me speed up, Verse three, look at number three. Ananias, a, a disciple of the Lord. Listen, don't mix this up, and why don't we teach and preach at the same time? Because Ananias, early on in the Bible, was a man and his wife who sold a piece of land lied to the Holy Spirit and fell dead in the church. So don't mix those two if you study the Bible. This Ananias is different than the other Ananias. Both were disciples of Christ, I do believe, because they were in the church. One disobeyed God and lied to the Holy Spirit. This one obeys God, okay? So different Ananias. Just like we talked about Philip two weeks ago, different Philip. The Apostle Philip and the, and the Deacon Philip. This, the same. They were doing the work of the Lord, but don't get them mixed up. Here Ananias, he comes to the place. He's a disciple of the Lord. He heard from God as well. So let's check, let's check our list. Did Saul hear from the Lord? Yes. Did the men traveling with him hear from the Lord? Yeah, they heard. The Bible says they heard a voice. They couldn't see anybody. Don't know who's talking? Did Ananias hear from the Lord? Yes, this is one of the sermons. Let me tell you what I heard. They come to the place. These men, the story's being told. Ananias, he heard from God. He was ready to serve God until he heard his assignment. <laughs> he told the Lord, hey, Lord, what? He had heard. Lord, I, can I tell you what I heard? The Lord's Lord, Lord's said you're going. But Lord, this, this, man, this man, he's bad news, right? What's he going to face? Looking at 30,000 feet, what's he going to look? What's he going to face? When he encounters Saul, from what only little vantage point that he has from a man's point of view, he's going to encounter an evil man who wants to kill him or put him in jail. That's what he knows he's going to face. But what has the Lord said? The Lord's point of view, a whole different perspective. What does the Lord say? He is my chosen vessel. Get up and go, right? And the Bible says he got up and went. Judas, this man I left out, I put him in my notes today so you would with it. We could talk about him just a little bit. He's mentioned two times right there, back to back. Watch. Judas, the homeowner of the house of the Straight Street, right? The house on Straight Street, number two Straight Street. He heard from God. How do we know he heard from God? This is kind of one you got to actually read the scripture and find out how did he hear from God? Where's Saul? At his house. If you go back over, how do you know he heard from God? Go back over to verse 6 and look what it says. This is the Lord speaking, said, Saul, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. What was he told he must do? Where do we find him laying down in verse 5 or 6? Can't see. Verse 8 and 9. Where do we find him laying down? Where is he laying down? I told you last week, I said, disciple uh, Damascus General Hospital, but Wendy said I couldn't say that in again. It was at Judas's house. He's on his way to Damascus. He's at Judas's house. Who's Judas? And I told you in my notes, just to be honest with you, I don't know whether he was a disciple or not, but he heard the story that Jesus did. He was part of the eternal story of Saul, who is now Paul. I happen to believe he was a disciple, of, a follower of Christ. Because number one, Jesus said, I'll tell you what's supposed to happen. You're going to go to the city, and you'll be told what to do. We find him laying down, can't see, can't eat, ain't, he's not drinking, and he's laying in a house. And Ananias actually goes to this house as well, because if this man was a persecutor as well, Ananias would have said, but Lord, Saul's there, and all his men are there, and Judas, you know Judas, Judas is one of those guys, because that wasn't a very popular name in his time, just for the record, right? Because this is not the one that betrayed Jesus, because he's dead as well. But Ananias, listen, he came to the place. He had his assignment. He went to the house of Judas. And in Judas, that, just that small little word about him, Judas, forever is the eternal story of the story of Saul, which is the eternal story of God and his glory. Let me give you one more and you'll see this. The disciples heard from God. Saul received his sight. immediately arose and was baptized. He ate food and spent time with others of the way. Who are those others? Listen. When he comes to the place, what did he preach? Who are the others? We, the disciples of Damascus. Who are they? The answer is, well, Ananias is there. Judas is there. Other than that, we're not 100% sure right away because Paul in verse 20, if you look next week, he's going to jump up and start preaching. How can he go from being a lost man to preaching the gospel? I'll tell you why. He would studied all those Old Testament scriptures. He was, he was well-versed in the Old Testament, he was even preaching the Messiah's coming one day. But he just didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. And yet he comes to this place, that he finally comes to the place that he had this encounter with Jesus. And now he believed. And he goes, aha moment. You ever put cross uh, the puzzles together? I don't have the patience to do puzzles unless they're big chunks, big pieces like this. The, the preschool puzzles I can do. But whose house was I? I was at somebody's house that had like a thousand pieces on the table. And I'm like, Mary Beth's house. That's where it was. Blech. And even—I mean, the thing wasn't even half done. They said, this piece is missing. I'm like, how can you tell? I can't even tell. I'm like, I didn't say that out loud, but I was thinking, just knowing what I was thinking when I was leaving. like, burn that one. Out. That's absolutely too many pieces. And it's a mess. But Saul had preached. And obviously, he was ready. He was ready for the Messiah, and he knew he wasn't the Messiah. And I told you, most mothers were hoping that they'd give birth to the Messiah because he had to come through the lineage, right? He was ripe to come through because he's one of the tribes of Benjamin, and he comes to the place, and he's now... He puts two and two together. He says, This is what I've been preaching. This is what I was taught. Jesus did all the healing. How do we know that the Pharisees, because it says he was a Pharisee, and I shared this this morning in my Sunday school class, got a little sneak peek into this. How do we know that the Pharisees knew that Jesus was from God? How do we know it? John chapter 3. Go there with me, don't you see this? This is how we knew that these, these are men who knew. Listen, you can be in church your whole life, you can sing all the songs better than everybody else, you can preach better than the preacher. But if you don't come to the place that you internalize it and give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, you're on your way to hell with a song and a step. Amen? You're on your way to hell with actually knowing that, listen, that Jesus came to this earth to save you. Because what's happening to our teenagers many times when they get into the place, they go off to college, some liberal professor comes to the place and says, Listen, you don't believe that stuff your parents taught you, do you? Bunch of ignorance down in South Carolina. Let me tell you what the truth is. Let me, let me enlighten you. And, and they fill our children's brains with junk after junk after junk. And they call it an education. What really it is is indoctrination. How many people are actually, listen, uh, organizations, think about, let me get to the list. You say godly or ungodly when I name something. Movies. For the most part, I'm talking about the majority. I'm talking about the majority, don't say it. But there's that one, Pastor, you know, uh, anyway, don't do that. Movies as a whole. Hollywood. Godly or godly? Godly or ungodly? Ungodly. You come to the place, even I used to say technology was neutral, but it's not neutral anymore. And how many times have I mentioned those devices and how many parents are still listening? None of you. You're spending hundred dollars a month, you paid seven, eight hundred dollars for your kid's phone. How I many what kid needs a phone? You got no business. But a kid just sitting like this. When I came into church this morning, I saw teenagers going <laughs> at church. And some of you got them out right now, and you say, oh, it's just Scripture. I got the Bible and Scripture. Swipe. Oops. Right? We're paying a lot of money for our kids to be actually given over to the world, to the ungodly ways. And we don't care. And when they get to be 13 to 18 to 23 to 28 to 30, oh, God, my baby, my baby, my baby. Your baby has been taught, this is the way to hell. Walk therein. Amen? You, amen? If you don't tell your children the way to go, they won't go that way. If you say you, you think you can play little patty, patty, you know, give a dog a bone, patty whack, patty whack, give a dog a bone. If you think you play games with God, the Bible says in Galatians chapter six, God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, he's going to reap. And you put junk in your child's life, and you think, what's wrong with my child? Now your children, listen, are influenced by more than just one person. Right? Parents influence, principals influence, police influence. Pastors influence, your child's influenced by many, many people. Parents are most important. But you come to that place that you allow your children over and over again, you keep sowing to the flesh. You read Galatians today in your free time, Galatians chapter five, what's going to happen to your child? You cannot run from the word of God. God will not be mocked. Whatever he says is the truth. But also Galatians five didn't go into six. You come to the place, what is sowing to the spirit? How do I actually get into that child? I want them to be a disciple of Christ. We should train up a child in the way they should go so that when they're old, listen, they will not depart from it. Will our children stray? Yes. Will we stray? Yes. When you have the honest heart-to-heart talk with your child, listen, I love you so much, I want you to come to the place that you're living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Your dad, your mom, we messed up. Grandma grandpa messed up. And I'm sorry for that. Will you forgive me? And the forgiveness has to be there, but you've got to change the pattern. What happens is once things get right with God... We go right back to the old ways again. We discard these things and that thing, and I don't have time. i so pastor. I'm so busy. I don't, we don't do family devotions anymore. We don't have time for that. We don't pray together anymore, even around the meal, because we're so everybody's eating and trying to grab the food and watch TV because that show. That's my favorite show. And we, and we got a thing going on. We got to find out where this show goes to the next level. What do we want to do? We're entertaining ourselves with the world's toys, and then we're calling it godliness. And we as a church, we can't figure it That's why we started the Christian Academy. We're giving our kids to the world for 40 plus hours a week. You got teachers allowing cursing if they're not cursing themselves. You got coaches cursing our, our kids out in God's name. Using God's name in vain, cursing our kids. You got kids vaping in school, walking in the hall, doing drugs in school, in public school. They, they will not say the National Anthem because there's no room for patriotism. There's no place for God in the school. There's no place for prayer in the school. And yet we call it good. God forbid. We've come to the place what's right we've called wrong and what's wrong we've called right. Isaiah said, God forbid that happens, but it was going to happen in last days. Church, we've got to prepare ourselves. Listen, your family as Joshua, you've got to be a Joshua and stand up and say ask for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. He called out people in front of people. He was the leader and he said, look, y'all are going to do what you're going to do. Bless me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And it comes to the place of current culture. And Saul, when he comes to this place, listen, Ananias comes to the place. He could have easily said, Lord, but I can't. I just, I'm just paralyzed with fear. I can't. God said, get up and go. What has God told you and me today? Get up and go. He said it in Matthew 28. Go, make disciples of all the nations. Where's the nations, by the way? Do we live in a nation? Is it a Christian nation? Do we have work to do? Uh, here's somebody say it used to be. Is it now a Christian nation? You know why we're not a Christian nation? Because the church has been comfortable in these little soft pews, driving in a paved parking lot with the air conditioning turned on, saying, sing it better, preach it better, give us more entertainment, give us better youth programs, because our youth really want to be, we want to make sure we have a lot of fun so that they stay in church. And we go down this church over here because, well, that's better. Their children's program is better over there. And, and we go over here because this is better. And we just, we just, we're just members of multiple churches. Listen, it comes to the place. We must come to the place. Every church, listen, is, an, is a lighthouse for So, You ever seen a lighthouse work? I never thought about lighthouses until I was in the Navy. When I was out at sea, coming back in, you, we couldn't wait to see Chesapeake, see the lights of Chesapeake up there, Chesapeake Bay Bridge. You just get so excited, that means we're almost home. But if we stayed in the, didn't get in the channel and stayed on the bridge side, guess what? That bridge goes above water. Did y'all know that? You ever been across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, like nine miles long? That's above water, and it goes tunnel, above water, tunnel. If you stay on this side with the ship that we had, you would hit the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. That's why you got to stay in the channel to go over the tunnel, not under the bridge. You never could go under the bridge w- with our ship, because we'd crash the bridge and we'd crash our ship. Listen, God has a way as well, just like this. He's going to accomplish. Look at the last part. God will accomplish what he sets out to do. He's going to have his will done, but listen, the church Of God today is sitting on the premises instead of standing on the promises isn't that true we want to be comfortable pastor you understand that makes me uncomfortable when I talk to people about Jesus Christ they laugh at me they mock me they're going to say all the kind of evil against me what does he say about that blessed are you go back and read Matthew chapter 5 for yourself happy are you when they persecute you for my name's sake and by the way they will persecute you because they hated me first they're going to hate you that's what the word of God says And listen, just like Saul, if God's after you today, church, friend, if you're lost, he's going to break you to get you where he wants you to be. John chapter 1, I didn't forget about it. John chapter 3, I didn't forget about it. When he comes to the place, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the things that you do, the signs that you do, unless God is with him. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, Well, thank you very much. Sweetest thing anybody's ever said to me. Is that what he said? Watch what he does. He bluntly sticks back to his face and he says, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. That's the words of Jesus Christ. Because we know John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? everlasting life don't we want everlasting life well you're not going to get there by yourself when you do it your way you're going to get your results you're going to actually actually have fruit of your flesh or fruit from the spirit of God you will not make it on your own so listen when we if we were to hear from Saul today what would we hear him say listen I ran aground right I ran into the man Jesus Christ I ran into the God man of Jesus Christ If we listen to Saul's story which we're listening to right now we would say was he faithful or unfaithful how would you say it? Faithful or unfaithful after encountering Jesus? Faithful. He gets a good, he gets a good grade. Amen? If we're going to look at these men, listen, the security detail, we don't have any detail about them. I can't help but think when they heard the story of what happened, they were like, hey, I want some of that too, right? Saul's been changed. I can't help but think of those men. But we don't know the outcome of those men. All we can say is we can speculate. That's extra biblical, right? We can just ponder in our mind and imagine what was said. How about Ananias? Faithful or unfaithful? Faithful, he gets a good grade. Judas, if he was a believer, faithful or unfaithful? Faithful, he gets a good grade. How about the disciples that heard and talked about God? Faithful or unfaithful? Faithful, he gets a good grade. How about this, number six? Do you have a number six in your paper? Anybody, have, anybody missing a six? Go ahead and write in a number six if you would. Go ahead and write a number six in it. This is the point you left out. Oops, I messed up the paper, sorry. Number six. Write your name right there. Faithful, unfaithful. If God was to judge today, write your name in number six. That's why I left it blank, by the way, just for the record. I didn't forget. We've got to come to the place we can't keep living the way we're living and calling it godly. You can't go and judge somebody else and say, well, your thing is wrong and somebody says, what about what you're doing? Oh, well, don't judge me, man. Right? Does the Bible tell us not to judge? Here's what it says. Judge not lest you be judged by the same measure by which you judge. Have you ever seen a red car? Is red, red in Kenya? In a different language, is red, red in Germany? Who made red, red? I don't know the answer to my own question. But we can identify, if I said there was a red car that came through the parking lot, would you understand what I'm talking about? You might not know the car, but you know the color. You come to the place, we can identify things. Don't come to the place that you call ungodliness godliness. Or, listen, those people think of that movie Nacho Libre when he says the kids are just getting out their wiggles, right? They were doing wrong, and we call it something else. They're just being kids. They're just being this, whatever. Uh, What's happening in uh, the West Coast, they're just having a block party. They're burning buildings down having a block party. Anybody been to that kind of block party? I hope not. Listen, we just call sin, sin for what it is. But listen, here's the good thing about today, if you hear from God, God speaks every day. We told the kids this week, how do we, and I'm gonna ask you this example, some of the mamas do it, dads don't do it as much. When you were little, and I hear mamas do it now, and I hear teachers, especially in preschool do it, kids are screaming, crying, wanting something, and they'll go, listen, listen, use your, what do you want them to do? Use your words. Use your words, use your words. And the kids start saying, milk or water or bathroom or whatever it might be. Use your words, use your words. And listen, I want to encourage you today. Take God for who he is and use his word. He's given us 66 books in a library called the Bible, the Holy Bible. And you don't know which way to go, his word tells you how to go. So listen, when you come to the place to articulate to him and tell him how much you love him, Use this word. Lord, I don't even know what to say to you. I was listening to the Psalms coming in this morning. David's just praising, praising, praising. I was listening to Proverbs. Listen, there's wisdom in Proverbs. Proverbs is like reading what's happening in the world today, going, wow, well, stay away from the wicked, stay with the righteous. Stay away from the wicked, stay with the righteous. Stay away from the wicked, stay with the righteous. Because God is righteous. You don't have to have a choose a side, you have to choose God's side. And I don't walk in God's side. I can walk in any environment as long as I'm on God's side. Will I be persecuted? Oh yeah, it's coming. Do I care? I'm sure I will if it hurts me deep enough, but I'm going to walk with God. And I ask him each morning, Lord, let me be faithful. Let me be found faithful. I want to stand before him. I really do want to stand before him and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Aren't you glad he didn't say, well done, thy perfect servant? None of us would have got that one, right? Well done, my servant who never sinned again after you became a Christian. Never says that. Well done, my good and Faithful servants. So and that number six, put your name there. Are you faithful or unfaithful? Don't answer the question. That's between you and the Lord. You can't ask the people around you. Listen, walk up to your mom and daddy or ask your mom and daddy if you're faithful or unfaithful. Walk up to your, your spouse and ask them, are you faithful or unfaithful? And call it like it is. We're people of God, right? You came to church today. You shouldn't have messed up and come to church today. Somebody around you, listen, ask the person. Don't do it in here. Don't want to embarrass somebody, but just sit around the dinner table and say, let me ask you a question. When are you faithful and unfaithful? She's faithful. I can tell you, I can vouch for her. She could lie to me, but I know the truth, right? She's faithful. Does she sin against God? Oh, yes, she does. <laughs> because she's a sinner by nature, not because of anything I've recognized lately, right? Listen, if, oh, we're all sinners, but are you faithful? Can the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant? Yes or no? and you, Only you know, but the people around you know as well. Ask them. Or go back around and ask them, are you faithful? Are you faithful? And what's going to come back your way? Are you faithful? Only you and the Lord knows and the people around you. Let's pray. Father God, today as we read Saul, we can say he's no good. We can go down the list of things that's wrong with him. Lord, he even said of himself in 1 Timothy that he's the chief of sinners. (laughs) That's a big title because some of us feel like we're contenders for that belt. Because we come to the place, Lord, that we sin against you. And then, Father, we feel guilty, and we don't know what to do with that guilt. But, Father, you've given us an answer. Kill that guilt because it's been nailed to the cross when you, were, Jesus Christ, was nailed to the cross. Father, help some people, the strong-willed people are sometimes the hardest ones like Saul, help them come to that place of meekness and release, and release themselves, to say yes to Jesus Christ. Saying, I don't know what this is all about, but I believe. Not like the Pharisees believed that you were a miracle worker come from God. But like Saul ultimately believes, like Ananias believed, that you are the Messiah, the Son of of God, Jesus Christ, who come to take away the sins of the world. Thank you, Father, that you saved sinners today. Thank you that you saved me back in the day when I was humbled to come to my place and say, Lord, forgive me. And Lord, you forgave me. And then I ask you, Lord, to help me. And you help me. Every day you help me. I want to bless your name this morning in front of this group, in front of the people that are watching by Facebook and YouTube. I want to bless the name of Jesus Christ. I want to bless the name of our Heavenly Father. I want to bless the name of the Holy Spirit. And say, you are so good. You're so good to us. And Father, when we sin, we can ask for forgiveness, and you cleanse us, and you get us back upright. But Father, help every person that's listening today. To get right, to know that they know that they know they're saved. Not just playing some religious game, but Lord, they give their heart. They're all in, jumping off the deep end, off the, off the diving board into the deep end. They're in 100%, no matter what. We need your help, Lord. They need your help today. Would you guide us and would you let us respond like Saul? Who are you, Lord? Yes, Lord. Like Ananias, go. Yes, Lord. Help us be the people of God that say, Yes, Lord. And we're very quick to make decisions for you when you speak. We need you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.